Welcome to Preston Super Show. Over the weekend, from last Thursday up until this past Monday, we had a lot of action in the second week of the preseason. The Browns took on the Eagles Thursday night, August 17th, ended in a tie 18-18. The Browns are 1-1 and in the preseason, and the Eagles are 0-1 in the preseason. 0-1-1, excuse me, because they have the tie. So, in short about this game, is both teams with certain players struggled, and that was Marcus Mariota, Dorian uh, Thompson Robinson, um, some people just call him DTR. They struggled in this game. Um, for Mariota, at at that point of struggling, when you're supposed to be a vet, you've been around for a while now, and you can seriously come in and, and help a struggling team, um, which you may have to do at some point um, in the future, it's not good to see the low effort, low confidence play. For DTR, he's feeling he's feeling the game out. He he's not seeing the game the way a veteran quarterback does. So for Mariota to struggle is one thing. For Thompson Robinson to struggle is a whole different conversation. Trey Sermon for Philadelphia getting a lot of tick running the ball. Five carries, fifty-four yards rushing in that game with a touchdown. And then receiving the standout receiver in that game, Austin Watkins Jr., seven catches, 139 yards, and a touchdown. He basically played a re- basically playing a real game. And um, the one thing that I'm getting out of this preseason, the main theme of this preseason, has been competition, guys vying for jobs, putting it all on the line. And I've been really impressed, uh, to say the least. Now, in the next game I watched that was really interesting was the Panthers versus the Giants. Let me tell you why. Because at the beginning of this game, it was complete domination from the Giants um, starters that they did play in second string. Mixed with whoever else they were getting in the game because there's so many different rotations happening. But ultimately, it was a domination for two quarters. 21 points put up by the Giants. They looked great. Uh, Daniel Jones made his preseason debut uh, in the second week. Very good. He did play like the big money guy, right? He has the $40 million contract. Um, Tyrod Taylor came in for the Giants, 90 yards and a touchdown, uh, threw, a, threw a bomb. Uh, it, was, it was really sweet. Blackshear running the ball for the Panthers. Um, short down and distance runs will be good for the Panthers. Um, Steve... Uh, Excuse me, Smith uh, throwing the football, Shy Smith uh, catching the football. He's very uh, exciting to watch, a good player for the Panthers. They don't have the weapons that a lot of teams have, so they're going to have to make do with a lot of what they can just acquire in free agency and from what other teams uh, cut, to be honest with you, the players other teams cut. And that's where the Panthers are going to be. They're going to be like that backyard football team this year. So for the Panthers, they haven't won in the preseason. They're 0-2. The Giants are 1-1 in the preseason. Next game I'd like to talk about is the Cincinnati Bengals versus um, the Atlanta Falcons. And the Cincinnati Bengals 
and the Atlanta Falcons were very steady throughout this game. It was very um, unimpressive, um, unenthusiastic, uh, but it was a competitive performance. And, and the reason that I have to give these teams credit is because of the defenses on both sides of the ball, really just standing up and playing well. Um, Desmond Ritter uh, was impressive, but it wasn't like he had time to give you full production, and it wasn't like he's going against the best. So it was just nice to see him producing and being effective um, when you're a Atlanta Falcons fan. Uh, Heineke coming in, and he looked strong with 162 yards passing. But that's all he was really able to do was just kind of throw a couple passes, move the ball around a little bit. And that and that's really all that amounted to. Um, Ig, Igwabuke, the running back for Atlanta, 14 carries, 61 yards. Um, you'd like to see more. You'd like to see more off 14 carries. Um, standout receiver, you're talking about uh, – a guy that not a lot of people know much about, Andre Ayos-Vias, five catches, 44 yards receiving um, for Cincinnati. And you're getting a taste of what's to come with these teams. Um, but for the Bengals, you know, they're, they're a team that's going to have a strong defense. This game ended a 13-13 tie. The Giants was a 21-19 Giants win because the Panthers rallied but still lost. But you're seeing a lot of what teams – have on the kind of front to medium end of their depth. And then on that lower end of the depth where you're like, okay, so if this guy gets hurt, God forbid, but injuries are a part of the game and a lot of guys play being hurt, but they don't play being injured. So it's, it's a fine line there. And you have to have those, those, Reserves and in a deep football team that understands uh, the playbook and, and can um, adapt on the fly uh, and, and come into a hostile environment and still perform well and, and be exceptional at their position. And I think with the Cincinnati Bengals is having Joe Burrow allows everybody else to kind of breathe and kind of say, okay, we got Joe. Burrow's quarterback, so everything else will kind of flow naturally as long as we just don't quit on the play, right? One play at a time, play until the whistle's blown, and, you know, you you go hard each, each time, each snap. So the Atlanta Falcons are a team to me that is, uh, is in that weird tier, that, like, third tier of NFC teams, right? Like, if you stack the NFC in tiers – just three tiers, tier one, two, and three. They fall to that last tier to me. Like, you guys got to show me something. You had Matt Ryan who dominated in the regular season. We understand he's not who he was anymore. But now you're looking at this team like, okay, what do you do with what you have? Because you have a lot of talent. You have a lot of X factors. You have a lot of guys that if you kind of come together, you could make a run and, and really be impressive. But the Atlanta Falcons, to me, just seem like a mediocre team still. The the Carolina Panthers, they're both bottom-of-the-barrel team. And, you know, when you see uh, these teams competing really hard in preseason, that is good. 
because that shows me that they don't want to be that mediocre team, that they don't want to be that kind of not so good. What are we, what are we kind of doing? We need to really study what we're doing here a little bit better so we can perform better. Um, so I'll be right back after this. Thank you. Next up was the Jaguars first, the Detroit Lions and the Jacksonville Jaguars ended up beating the Lions 25 to seven to improve to two and O in the preseason against the Lions who fell to one and one and who really didn't come out looking uh, polished at all. But they did have some moments. I mean, there were some moments for the Lions in that game that I've seen. A few screens, a few wheel routes that, I mean, it just worked. But some of those other plays they were running, it just wasn't going. But I kind of give credit to Jacksonville for, like, hanging on to guys that most everybody's forgotten about. Like, they, they're good at that. You'd be like... Oh, man, I ain't seen that dude in like 10 years. C.J. Bethard at quarterback, and he come in there 138 yards passing, one touchdown and one interception. But, I mean, he was productive. They ended up winning 25-7. to um, Bigsby running the ball for Jacksonville. I could tell you right now, 13 carries, 70 yards. He was very impressive. Um, Cooks at the receiving position. Two catches for 69 yards. Um, I was a fan of that. I, I mean, he, he looked good out there. The Jaguars were really impressive in that game. And I feel like they were looking like they want to compete this year. Like, this is where you start building momentum. And I think that's a good way to look at the preseason. For starters, this is where you start building momentum. You start showing the other guys this is how it's done. And then you set a good example. And you use that going forward. And I feel like Jacksonville needs to just do that. Because they're 2-0 in the preseason. I feel like Jacksonville, that's their motivation right now. Win one game at a time. Take the game serious. Take every preseason game serious. Try to win it. Um, And I feel like they have a good chance to surprise a lot of teams this year. And, like, be really explosive down the stretch. There are quite a lot of teams, so let's get to it. The Miami Dolphins versus the Houston Texans. And, what can you say? A complete no-show from the Houston Texans. And I start to believe it's the coach. I start to think maybe we've been through this situation with a lot of other teams. And now I'm seeing it with the Texans. It could be this player's fault, or this player's not ready, or we don't have this at wide receiver. That's not always going to be the easy scapegoat anymore. Now in the NFL, no-name guys become the guy. And in today's NFL, it's really unique that way. And it's just because of good competition. And with the Miami Dolphins, give them credit. Don't take anything away from them because Tua, his first pass was intercepted. Then he comes back, gets a touchdown, looks, you know, very steady, and and everybody wanted to see that. But then there's Thompson from the Miami Dolphins who uh, comes in there and 
no one really is paying attention to the Skylar Thompson guy except really good fantasy gurus and uh, the Dolphins' deep fan base that's on the internet. You know what I mean? In the forums and stuff. Even their normal fans, I don't believe, really are paying attention to him. He's pretty good. 157 yards, but had three touchdowns. So it just shows you that he was doing the right things and, and, and making the right throws to seize on the opportunities that were out there on the field. I think that was very impressive. Then there's um, Savan Ahmed, running back for the Dolphins, 12 carries, 99 yards. It's really good. He almost had 100 yards rushing. You know, so able to come out in preseason and do that is very important. But for the Texans, they're one and one. Um, they, they're not showing urgency. They're not showing like they're a team that has a lot of depth. So you're hoping that their starters are really going to be good this year because they're not showing you a lot of depth. But to the Dolphins' credit, you know, they're a team that's been getting better with a head coach that's you know, secretly trying to be that Bill Belichick mastermind. And I think that's going to pay dividends for the Miami Dolphins, a franchise that's missed out on the playoffs so much, a franchise that fell from grace for so long, but is starting to get steady again, right? Um, the Buffalo Bills versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. Buffalo Bills, big credit to those guys, man. One and one on the season uh they put up 15 points uh in the preseason against the Steelers but this team is really going to be good this year and you just have to look at preseason like hey did you compete were you competing and they were against the Steelers who really let uh Kenny Pickett run wild for a little bit there and he was really showing us stuff and Steelers are 2 and 0 in the preseason Bills are one and one in the preseason now, and uh, a solid twenty-seven points from the Steelers. Um, really was interesting to see them, you know, kind of like Kenny Pickett slinging around the way he did, because you don't want to give away too much, and for the Steelers to be confident in what they were doing and what they were calling and and just how it was flowing for them, big credit to them. But it also shows the Buffalo Bills a lot of things like, hey, you know, if we're not going all out, this these are this is what can happen. We can we'll have to be playing catch up the whole game. And then you see in the fourth quarter the Bills put together fifteen points and, and there was a, a sense of urgency. So that's what I liked about it. Um and Kyle Allen, um, you know, playing it, it just shows you that starters should play in the preseason this whole thing with starters not playing in the preseason is ridiculous um the chicago bears first indianapolis colts and that ends with the bears actually losing um and i and i think a lot of that was partially probably because justin feels sat out but also anthony richardson sat out and I'm thinking this is a weird situation where you're giving these backup quarterbacks a lot of play and a lot of tick, but you guys have very big games coming up in three weeks. And the only thing I can tell you is you want to be getting comfortable out there in real game scenarios while you have the opportunity. 
uh, for a series or two. And that really helps that first week. And I could just tell because I've watched, you know, that first week so carefully for the Packers with Aaron Rodgers and how uncomfortable it was even for him until that second half. And if he would have just played a little bit in the preseason, a little bit more in the preseason, he wouldn't have had that problem. And I'm telling you, he would have he would have had his footing under him to start the year. And that's what you want. And uh, that's why I give a lot of credit to Jordan Love. I'm telling you, it's going to pay dividends playing all of the preseason. And with the Chicago Bears, you know, they have a lot of talent. They have... They've acquired some talent at wide receiver. They've acquired some talent at uh, the defensive uh, front seven, linebacker and defensive end position. But what I really think is where they didn't improve on was their secondary. I don't think they improved on their secondary at all. And I think that their offensive line is going to have a lot of problems. I feel like they're in... I feel like they're treading shallow water because I feel like part of the reason Justin Fields is not playing is because that offensive line isn't sound yet. And you'd be throwing him out there against some guys that are really trying to make names and solidify their spot on the roster in a lot of cases. And they don't want to go down that road. So I understand it from that point of view, if that was the reasoning and the logic behind not playing him. But I think other than that, you know, you look at this Chicago Bears team and you say, wow, there's some some really good wide receivers here. Um, there's some really talented defensive players that can bull rush the quarterback. But when it comes to depth, I don't see it. And when it comes to the secondary, it's thin. And um, when it comes to their offensive line, it's, uns- it's a lot of question marks. To be kind and to be very frank. Now, the Indianapolis Colts, on the other hand, this is the team that I feel like is a little bit undersized, but I feel like their starting defensive unit is going to be really good. And I feel like that's what's really going to help this team and help Anthony Richardson get comfortable in those down and distance situations where, you know, they can, a lot of teams are going to be going for it on fourth down this year. And teams need to be ready for that. And I think the Colts are a team that will excel in those type of situations. Will there there be that outside team that's like, hey, if four down comes, we're going to shut you down. And I think they'll be one of those teams. Um, I don't think there'll be a lot of teams like that. But I I think the Colts will be. Because I feel like they're fast in the right places. But I feel like they're also understanding what the game plan is. They played really good. The, uh, The depth of the team really showed up in this game Um, because you'll see that all 17 points, well, 17 points came in the fourth quarter and they had one touchdown in the second quarter, but it was all backups in the late of this game. You say, well, they, yeah, but it's against the bears backups. Yeah. But that's the point to see who's got the depth to see what guys you need to bump up and to see what the talent is, because there's still some guys that are pretty, I, you know, positioned on the team as far as the depth chart goes uh, playing until the end of the game because those repetitions are at a premium and you want to make sure that 
you're doing the most out there to get those repetitions as well. So now um, I look at uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the New York Jets. If the Tampa Bay Buccaneers won a one on the season, New York Jets won a two in the preseason. And Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 13 points in this game. But they were idle. Um, it was, it, they looked, they looked, um, sluggish, uh, New York Jets, same feeling like the, there's some good things to say. This is what I'll say about these teams. So with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I, I don't like how this team looks. I'll be honest with you. And I'm trying to like be as nice as I can. I'm trying to wrap my head around it and look at their whole death chart, but I'm seeing um, Kyle Trask as a backup quarterback threw for 218 yards at a touchdown. And overall, he looked very, very uncomfortable. He was running a lot. He wasn't very comfortable in the pocket. He, he didn't really have time to get comfortable. And the other part of that is Baker Mayfield starting for the Bucks, but not playing. I think that's like setting, again, setting the stage for a bad beginning to the season you know if Aaron Rodgers was struggling in the first game by not playing in the preseason with the Packers Baker Mayfield's not a Super Bowl champion he Baker Mayfield's not an MVP uh and Rodgers has done MVP multiple times uh so when it comes to like quality and and just like refining your skills, you need to get out there. But again, it's Tampa Bay with, oh, we're going to be okay. But I'm looking at your wide receiving core and I'm looking at your running backs and I'm looking at your offensive line. And I'm saying, this group does not look right together. So they're going to have to work that out. It's a lot like the Bears. Except the Bears, I feel like have just more talent than the Bucks. But it's a lot like the Bears situation. Then you look at the New York Jets, and to be honest, bringing in Dalvin Cook was the best thing you, they can do. He likes to run vertical. He likes to run, um, well, I should say he likes to run horizontal. He likes to run horizontal and then get vertical. So his main theme is getting stretching the outside of the football field and then cutting up and, and getting defenders to falter that way and, and then he's been a master at that and been a master of catching the ball in space and running and I think the Jets will be able to really utilize him to their advantage because the Jets offensive line again is like it's hard to say they're undersized because they kind of are but they're also not going to be the same type of protection that Aaron Rodgers had with the Packers. So now that you understand that, you can kind of get a picture of what's happening. Zach Wilson's best plays are him running the football. His Zach Wilson's best plays are him running the ball. He's the quarterback. That's not going to work for Aaron Rodgers. He doesn't run at that speed. He doesn't tuck the ball and run. Um, rarely anymore because of just he's had that surgery, but also... He's aged and now he's not, he's a step slower. So 
What I will say for Aaron Rodgers' credit is that he's got some talent now, but their wide receivers are like, like thin. Like that's a thin group of wide receivers. Like they, like bringing Devontae Adams in would really help him out this year. But if they don't do that, there's only like one or two other guys probably floating around that could come in and make an impact right away. Everybody else is spoken for. And then you'd have to see what who doesn't make it where and if they fit into the Jets mold. But this Jets team and then making Aaron Rodgers basically play in the preseason is uh is going to be an interesting experiment. And I don't feel like it doesn't have the same feeling like the Brett Favre experiment with the Jets. That felt like something. That felt like, hey, Packers, you didn't want to re-sign me. I'm going to go get this Super Bowl yeah, with the Jets. And Brett Favre played really well with the Jets um, in the short stint he was there. And uh, actually had a, had a good team around him. And you felt it. You felt it. You felt like, hey, they were going to compete until the last week of the season. They had a chance. So, um, which is true. And see, we'll see if that's the same feeling with the Jets. And how long actually Aaron Rodgers does go for. Because I'm going to tell you right now. Something doesn't feel right. Because I feel like there's such ex- like excitement around Zach Wilson on the team. Because he's been there, been playing, kind of earned his stripes a little bit. And then Aaron Rodgers comes in as the big money guy. Hey, well, of course, we're going to put Aaron Rodgers in there. He's a Super Bowl champion. He's been there, done that. But don't think that in four weeks or five weeks, if it's looking ugly, that Aaron Rodgers don't go to the bench and be putting on a headset. And then Zach Wilson's coming out there to try to run this offense. Because I'm telling you right now, Aaron Rodgers does not have the chemistry that he had with Mike McCarthy when the Packers had their their dominant reign in the NFL. But then with even Matt LaFleur, where he could just walk up and change the play. He would, Same thing with Mike McCarthy, always changing the play, always doing that. I'm telling you right now with the Jets, that's not going to fly. That's not going to be, it's not going to be as comfortable as he wants. And Aaron Rodgers dominated against, you know, defenses for so long with the Packers' help, with the Packers' offensive line protecting him. His best plays came from him in the pocket, throwing the football. What do they show on that Super Bowl highlight? Remember that on the Super Bowl highlight where thrown and two guys almost nearly smash into each other and he fits the ball right in between for the, for the touchdown? He's in the quarterback, confident, poised, throwing. He's not on the run, docking, dipping, and dodging. No, no, no. He could do that easily. He'd do that hit you with the championship belt, right? We love that. But there's just something to be said about the Jets. Is like They're a fun team to watch this year because you're like, as an Aaron Rodgers fan, I'm rooting for them. But then when they play the Packers, oh, I'm rooting against them. But it's all love because it's like, hey, he got the Packers the Super Bowl, regardless of the help and everything else. Of course, he had four stud receivers, stud, two stud tight ends, an offensive line that was huge, and then a defense that was like six, six or seven of those guys were in their prime, and the rest of them were 
some of the freshest players in the league as far as conditioning. I mean, like, like the rest of them were some of the best athletes in the NFL. So it was like, you know, no doubt the Packers had the Super Bowl caliber team. And you know what? I feel really good about this Packers team, man, as I'm going to talk about them right now. Um, unfortunately, there was an injury, uh, you know, you know, big injury in in this game. And, and I started praying for him. And I went on Twitter and said, pray for this young man who probably broke his neck, you know, in this game. Unfortunately, you know, like we say, injuries are part of this game. You just never want to see it. It was a Patriots player uh, on Lambeau Field that it was a Patriots player ran into another Patriots player. Uh, the Patriots moved to one and one. They counted as a win. They really shouldn't. It should be a no contest um, because they didn't finish. But one of the Packers to go to one and one in the preseason. And uh, the Patriots 21 points, the Packers 17 points, but the Packers were driving the football when this happened. Um, and I felt really good about the Packers' chances to score on that drive, to be honest with you. They, it, was, it was on a big play this happened, a big catch. Um, and guys were showing their skills. Uh, some rookies were showing their skills, like Malik Heath and Emmanuel Wilson came in there running the football powerfully, um, showing some dominance. And uh, there was a lot of swagger about this Packers team. Like, it wasn't like that swagger where you got to talk about it. It was that swagger, like, I look and I see it and I connect with it and I could see it. And it, and I liked it. It was gritty. Like, it wasn't perfect. You know what I'm saying? But it was gritty. And um, Jordan Love looked good, man. Jordan Love's looking good. He's throwing dimes. And anybody that doubted him feels really salty right now. Because I'm telling you, this Jordan Love cat is a dude I spotted in college playing in the, in in college football watching before but I really focused on him in a bowl game and they didn't win the game but he threw the ball so many times he was under pressure constantly the offensive line was caving in and he was firing the ball off and he was completing passes and he was like getting hit getting knocked out getting back up and I was like dude this dude's a savage and then, you know, you see his stats and his numbers, that it, you know, and you were just like, whoa, this dude's really good, man. And he gets drafted and everybody makes a big fuss about it because they say, well, there's other quarterbacks they could have took. But none of them had the swagger. None of them had the swagger Jordan Love has, and they still don't. And that, that was in that draft. And nobody um, is is proving themselves more right now than Jordan Love is, in my opinion, because of all the spotlight and nastiness that people were kind of throwing his way. Like, it totally turned against people, man. And and I'm so proud of Jordan Love for just staying in the pocket and being a quarterback. Like, I'm so proud of that. Like, dang, dude. You don't always have to run when a guy comes trying to hit you. He's standing there, and someone gets open. Boom. And it's like, this, this Packers team... I'm feeling like they truly believe in Jordan Love. And I I feel like they're really rooting for their guy, uh, Clifford, too. Like, the Packers want to start developing Sean Clifford. Like, you know what I mean? We're going to give Jordan Love every opportunity to win and put him in every position to win. But also develop Sean Clifford because he's got a cannon for an arm. And you look at him and you're like, okay, let's see what he can do. And when he goes out there, man, I'm telling you, he's a gunslinger. 
a lot like Jordan Love, man. They sling the ball. And I think that that's some good chemistry brewing between these two guys. Really, really cool, man. Really unique. And let me tell you something. If Jordan Love really has a good um, season, like really, really nice, there's going to be another team that probably tries to come take Clifford. So enjoy him while we have him. Be right back after this. Next up, we had the Tennessee Titans versus the Minnesota Vikings. The Tennessee Titans are 1-1 on the season in this preseason now after a 24-16 victory. The Minnesota Vikings moved to 0-2. And the last two weeks have not been good for the Minnesota Vikings. But for the Tennessee Titans, they really reminded me of something. And each week, each football season, in each game or uh, some team always reminds me of, uh, of something that we say in football. It's a week-to-week league. The Tennessee Titans did not look like anybody was trying to win a job last week. But this week, they really did look like guys were trying to win a job. That's why they won this game. Guys showed up and played hard. Malik Willis rushed for 91 yards and threw a touchdown pass while playing the entire thing. Um, guys were trying to win jobs out here. And, um, you know, the, the score doesn't tell the story. And I really think that, like, like the biggest takeaway was that the tight end position is going to be key. Coming over the middle and running routes. Which tight ends run routes the best and which tight ends can get over the middle and make a difference? It's going to be huge. Um, but, but give credit to... Uh, Tennessee for showing up and giving us a good performance and the Vikings, you know what? You have to give them a little bit of credit for trying to like rally a little bit and say, Hey, we're still here. And and they did that, but they end up, you know, putting up a stinker and they looked actually better last week than they did this week. So they got a lot to fix. The Vikings look like a gutted franchise. And I'm not just saying that as a Packers fan. I'm saying that as a competitive person in a competitive nature. Just saying they look like a team that's just lost a lot. And they haven't replenished those needs. Next up, Kansas City Chiefs against the Arizona Cardinals. The Kansas City Chiefs win 38-10 over the Arizona Cardinals. And both of these teams are 1-1 in the preseason. Tune. Uh, the quarterback for Arizona that was was getting a lot of take here had 133 yards passing, but didn't really do anything to wow you. wasn't spectacular. Um, the game was very, you know, as a Cardinals fan, you wouldn't wanted to watch, but as a Chiefs fan, everything's going your way. You feel good. The situation's improving uh, as far as your, as your depth goes, and you look like a team that is ready to run the table. Um, as far as what you have behind your starters. Uh, very impressive Chiefs team. They 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 do look like a monster unit out there. Uh, they're starting to come into their own early, early on in the preseason. And you can take away what you want from these games, but I like to think that teams are building momentum because the season begins right now. The season's already begun, and these guys are getting in that mode. And it's good to have that mentality now uh, before – the actual kickoff, and when it counts. Then you have the Denver Broncos and the San Francisco 49ers. And the Denver Broncos uh, 
did play well in this game, actually, and the 49ers played well, just a little bit better. And that's why they won 21 to 20. Broncos moved to 0 2 in the preseason. 49ers are 1 1 in the preseason now. And it was really a late rally for the 49ers with Trey Lance leading the helm that uh, had them in position to have Jake Moody kick the game winning field goal. Um, Trey Lance's stat line 130, 173 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Um, then you have Jaleel McLaughlin, the running back for Denver who was their big carrier, which he really had seven carries for 45 yards with a touchdown. So that's why I say big carrier. Um, As far as receiving goes, who stood out in that game was Ronnie Bell. Seven catches for 114 yards, and the guy is fast. He flies all over the field. The 49ers have an interesting scenario. You know who the guy is for the Denver Broncos. It's Russell Wilson. Whatever, Whatever you see of him in the preseason is what you get. But... The 49ers have three quarterbacks that can all be starters. They have a weird scenario over there in San Francisco where they're just like hoarding quarterbacks. Like you guys got three quarterbacks that can be starters. Trey Lance, Sam Darnold, and Brock Purdy. And they want to start Brock Purdy. And I agree with that. Not just because I'm not a big fan of the quarterbacks running, because I feel like quarterbacks only run when they need to, not like designed to be running, but I feel like that's kind of like, that's dangerous. You're talking about player safety, but designing runs for the quarterback doesn't go in the same sentence. Like that doesn't make sense. So for Trey Lance, I just like to see him become more of a pocket presence. They have more of a pocket presence and become more of a pocket passer for Sam Darnold. He's forever going to be a backup quarterback. I don't see this guy going anywhere being the guy. Like, if things don't work out for certain guys in certain places, he can go and back them up. That's Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold is the Vinny Testaverde of the NFL. Like, he can have a long career just backing guys up, nothing wrong with it, just team needs help, someone goes down, they need seven games, you take them to the playoffs. You never know what could happen. But I don't see him as the starting guy that everybody gets behind because they they – tried to build a team around him. You understand? They tried that. And it, it, and he, he went around the world, and it didn't work. So, um, no, I see Sam Darnold as just a good guy to have around with experience. But Brock Purdy is a stud. And the 49ers do need to just focus on running, like building that team around him. And then in the future, if they if whatever happens with Trey Lance. I don't feel like there's, like, when a guy gets drafted – it's really rare for a guy to go to another team and that's where he has a success. Like, it's very rare, man. Like, it's very rare. Like, Drew Brees is one guy that it happened to. Eli Manning is one guy that it happened to. But they didn't ferment. Uh, only Drew Brees really fermented something. You know, only Drew Brees really had that legacy before Philip Rivers took that over. Eli Manning didn't build anything with the Chargers. He just quickly went to the Giants. So I was like, nah, I don't want to go over there. Nope. I want over here. This is where the news is. So, for, like, different strokes for different folks. But with Drew Brees, he's like one of the only quarterbacks that went to a team, had a ton of success, then went to another team and won a Super Bowl. 
Tom Brady, obviously, because, you know, that's just what Brady does. But, you know, Brady's just a guy, just wherever he goes, it, it just success happens. It's just like, who knows how that works. But he does because he puts the work in. So I think overall, it's a very rare category of guys. Joe Montana almost did it with the Chiefs. He almost did it with the Chiefs. Like, the like really almost did it. And that would have been really special. It's still special how he had that team fueling. But it's rare, man. It's rare. And, and like, you see guys like Marcus Mariota. He's been around. Where's he going? Just different teams struggling. And it's, it's hard for guys to ever get that footing. Because they draft you at that position wanting to build around you. Usually when a quarterback is drafted like that, they want to build around you. And then they draft another quarterback that's similar to you. You understand how the Packers did it with Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love and then Sean Clifford because of the system, the design, because of what they're looking for. They can, they have a vision. And see, a lot of teams don't have a vision. And with the Broncos, there was no vision with Russell Wilson. It was just like, hey, that's who's there. Get him. And that's what they did. Smart. But after Russell Wilson, Jared Stidham and Ben DiNucci – Oh, they'll never win a game. They'll never win a game. They won't win one game. They won't win one game. Not with those guys. It has to be Russell Wilson. It's going to be, it's going to be ugly. It's going to be ugly. The Broncos are in the worst shape of any team right now. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. Like they could say whatever they want. The Broncos are in bad shape. Just because they play up in mile high. Doesn't mean they have an advantage. Doesn't mean they have an advantage. You know, when that when that kickoff happens and that anxiety's going and guys are sweating, and then when they finally get settled, it takes a toll on you whether you, you're practicing there or not. You train there all year, it still takes a toll on you. Especially for the rookies that they bring in. So yeah, the Broncos just note the depth on the Broncos is going to hurt them down the stretch. And um, not building teams, you know, like owners and GMs get in here not focused on building teams. They get focused on just like bringing in stars. It's crazy. So the Las Vegas Raiders improved to 2-0 in the preseason, but I'm not surprised about any of that. Then the, uh, they do that against the Rams, who moved to 0-2. Um, who, you know, show, showed a couple showed us a couple things, but really unimpressive Rams, you know, uh, scrub unit out there. And then with the uh, Las Vegas Raiders, you know, J- Jimmy Garoppolo look, does look sharp. And, and of course he does. He, he, he knows how to work this, man. And I really like uh, the Raiders team. Without any big names, besides a few guys. And if Devontae Adams is like iffy about playing or he ends up going to a different team, whatever, or if he just stays, whatever, he'll help them a lot more if he stays. But I, I do like the Las Vegas Raiders as a team without a lot of big name guys, as a team that's just trying to be hungry all year and earn wins. I like that if that's what they do. I'm a, I'm a fan of that style of football, but... You play the Packers, I'm, I'm, I'm going to root against you. Now, when it comes to the Rams, 
This is a team that I feel like hit the peak. I feel like they I feel like they're this is they're about to like hit the brick wall. Figuratively speaking. I feel like the brick wall there is what they're running into. Because I feel like when the season starts, I feel like the talent level that they think they have is not what it is. And I feel like their defense is not as fast, step slower. Guys that were there on their big run, um, a lot of them have moved on. So I feel like it's a different thing now. And with the Cowboys versus Seahawks, be the next game I talk about, the Cowboys, they're in a lot of trouble this year, man. They're in a lot of trouble. Yeah, they they played around with bringing in just a lot of talent, right? They they took that weird approach. Well, we're just going to bring in a lot of talent and see who pans out. And that and that's maybe that's Jerry Jones style, maybe that's whoever's there the GM right now or whatever the situation is, but I know ultimately it's not a great formula and it's not a successful formula for winning so the only thing i could really see out of the cowboys team is you know a team that has a lot to prove the seattle seahawks are a team that again i don't feel like this is this is going to be a good team i feel like this is one of those bottom tier teams they, they're lucky to get five wins. I, I believe that because I feel like, you know, the preseason against exhibition, it's whoever can go out there and do it. But you're talking about Drew Locke. This is a guy, again, who got drafted. They tried to build a team around him. It didn't work. Now he's up here in Seattle. What are you doing up in Seattle? Well, he's trying to take the job basically from Geno Smith, who is a pretty good quarterback. But again, he's got that Vinny Testaverde feel where it's like, bro, you you need to be com- consistent. Like one or two games and then taking another game off. Like that's not going to work. And you can say whatever you want. You got the talent with Seattle at receiver. That was never a question. I, I never really seen a team like that that had a great defense, talented receivers, and – some patchwork running backs and they, they all they had to do was just break down what, what they were doing wrong. And, and they could have really turned their season around and they didn't do that. And they're not going to do it this year. I don't feel it at all. I don't feel it at all. I feel like for Geno Smith, if it was going to happen, it would happen. I feel like with Drew Locke, same situation. And then they got Holton Ehlers. Dude, whatever. Okay, for the Cowboys, um, Will Greer and Cooper Rush. And I'm going to tell you right now, Will Greer throws a nice football. Cooper Rush also throws a nice football. I'd say Will Greer probably has a little bit of a better spiral, though. I think he puts a little bit nicer spiral on that thing. Something, how he has his fingers on the ball. Man, he, he does it nice. But one thing I give... Seattle credit for is trying to do everything without a true running back. And now I'm giving Dallas that credit too. You guys got to do this all without a true running back. 
because you have a guy that's good on like third down. You have, you know, you have a guy that's good on short distance, but uh, every down back they do not have, and neither does Seattle. And that is going to be a true test of what this team does. Now, Seattle has a guy that could come in there and do damage. The question is, will they be able to protect him? Like, will they be able to give him the cushion and the push he needs to make it happen? Because if not, just being a good runner alone is not enough. You know what I'm saying? Like, even Barry Sanders, it was the offensive line as well that really helped make him become who he was and and elevated his game because they opened a lot of holes for him even after the fact. And then when their offensive line was bad, he dominated and showed how good he was. But it's the it's the scenario was like everybody's not Barry Sanders. It's got to be a good offensive line. You know what I mean? Everybody's not Walter Payton. Walter Payton had a pretty good. The Bears had a good offensive line, did they not? In the eighties, it's a pretty good offensive line, man. Those guys were tough. You had to go up against some some tough, foul ass people, and the Bears were were hanging in there. And they got that eighty five Super Bowl, and they actually could have had two. They actually could have had two Super Bowls in the eighties. Um, there was there was a situation where they had another team that was like the eighty five Bears and. They actually had an opportunity to make a run, but it just, they, injuries, man, injuries are part of the game. And I think that that's what bit them, you know? So with the Saints, and this was uh, a good game, you know, they, they they went hard against the Chargers, 22 to 17 victory, moving to 2-0 in the preseason, Chargers moved to 1-1. Jameis Winston 13 for 21, 169 yards passing, averaging eight yards a pass. So you could just tell, you know, he's a guy that likes to look downfield and throw the ball. And I, I feel like he's he's gotten better. Um, Jake Hayner behind him came in and, and looked good. 11 for 17, 118 yards passing, 6.9 average uh, with reserves. So, I mean, like, I'm pretty – Impressed with that. The problem with the Saints uh, is going to be it's a lot of young guys. It's a lot of talent that's not known. Um, they've, they, uh, Jimmy Graham, uh, we don't know what that situation is going to look like with him, to be honest with you. And for the Chargers, they're a team, to be honest with you, that when they get, you know, Everybody out there that their starters out there that everybody should be playing because like the Seattle, they're not playing their best running back. You know, it's like the Chargers. They're not playing their quarterback that, you know, they should be playing. But um, I feel like, you know, especially for Herbert to not be out there, I feel like it's just it, it puts a bad taste in my mouth. Like, dude, you need to be out there connecting with some of these guys and see who is ready to shine like in the big spotlight because this is a good opportunity, even a series or two and uh, not even do that. Uh, that's need to get out there. Need to get out there. You know, especially if Mahomes is out there, you got to get out there. Um, And then I think that it's just 
a situation of, yes, you want to be careful, but you can never be too careful, you know? So, I feel like you got to play. Then the best game of the preseason was the last one. Monday night. Yeah, already Monday night football. And you got to see everything these teams had with the Baltimore Ravens and the Washington Commanders. Ravens actually lost 28-29. to The Commanders rallied at home. Um, I like the Washington Commanders football team. Let me tell you why. Because they got a quarterback named Sam Howell, who I watched play North Carolina. Actually won me a lot of won me quite a bit of money, Sam Howell. Uh me betting on that dude. 188 yards and two touchdowns. Let me tell you something. He's gonna be a star in the NFL. I don't know if it'll be with this team. Who knows? You know, the way things go. Um if he if if he does stick here like over his career. That's it will happen here. They have talent, man. The commanders have talent and they're deep. They're actually deep. People aren't going to respect them because of their name. You know, a little bit goofy Washington commanders, but I'm not even against it, man. I actually like the big W as a logo now because W stands for win. And that's what they did. But then I like Jake Fromm coming in there and I like to see Jake Fromm come in there and throw a touchdown. And then Jacoby Brissett. I like that Jacoby Brissett is on this team. So, like, I'm all of a sudden really liking the Washington Commanders. Like, hey, keep an eye on this team. They're pretty interesting. And their running backs, the one you need to look out for, um, well, Brian Robinson Jr., because if he gets going, that could be huge. Um, Terry McLaurin at receiver and Jonna Dotson, those guys can really do damage as a duo. <clears throat> so um, there's a lot of talent out here. And then for the Ravens, Joe Johnson's a beast. Just give him his credit. Just give him his, just give, put some respect on Joe Johnson. 10 for 12, 145 yards passing, two touchdowns. He threw a pick. Doesn't, it wasn't that bad. <clears throat> it really wasn't that bad. And he rebounded well from it. I'll tell you that. And he did it spreading the football out. Like, he spread the football out. Um, but I think the Ravens are going to have a bad year. I'm getting a little bit of a doom cloud from the Baltimore Ravens. I feel like all that luck they had is going to start to work against them because all the teams, like, look at their, go look at their schedule. All the teams that they were beating are a little bit better. And they only were beating those teams by a little bit. So I feel like the tide's turning for the Ravens this year. So we'll see. Because I do like the Ravens. I like Lamar Jackson. Um, but that will do it for the NFL preseason week two recap. Hope you enjoyed it. Share it with a million friends. Like and subscribe it. Ladies and gentlemen, just like the hands of time, I'm turning it over to you. Good night and God bless. Palms. 37-4.